Jim asked me, I asked him, is there anything you want me to preach on? He said, you can preach on anything you want. And then I, you know, looked at the Bible, it's 66 books, written over thousands of years, covered by thousands and millions of people. And I was like, anything, Jim? That's, that's big, that's a lot of options. So I just decided to do an epilogue on the Disciple Sermon series. I just wanted to say, hey, Jim has walked us through so far evangelism, what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Christ, um, and he walked us through the different stages of that, and I just want to add my two cents of um, how I see Christ talking in my life about what it means to be a disciple um, today. So that's just kind of what I want to touch on. I want to touch on a story that um, I, I think a lot of us have heard before. It's a story of the rich young ruler. It's a story that's found in the three synoptic gospels, not in John, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about John in a little bit, a little bit later. And I just wanted to touch on what are some takeaways we can get from that story that apply to our lives about what it means to be a disciple today um, in this present moment. Uh, taking some takeaways about what it means to, dis- to be a disciple, not necessarily from the rich young ruler's actions, but from the offering and the invitation that, that Jesus gave to him. So I'm going to be flipping, I'm going to be diving right into the gospel. So if you are following along, if you have a Bible, a phone, however you get to it, we're going to be in Mark 10 today. We're going to be in Mark 10, and we're going to focus specifically on 17 through 23. Um, and I'm reading out of the NIV today, so we'll just jump right on in. Mark 10, 17 through 23. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So that is a reading from the Gospel of Mark. First, I just, I just want to clear the air in the room. I'm not, I don't believe this passage is asking all of you to sell everything you have, walk around naked, and just live a penniless life. I think it's okay that you guys have money, have a 401k, have a retirement, I know I do. I don't think that is what Christ is saying. Um, I know when I was a child, I had the opportunity to be at, uh, to be at a phone-a-thon on, on the part of City Team Ministries at 104.1 Fish radio station. And I remember going on the radio and saying, I'm giving all the money I have in the world to City Team. I'm giving all six dollars and thirty-eight cents that I have to City Team. I don't think and obviously the phone's right, people gave yeah. money a little bit more than I did. Um, but it's I don't think that's what Christ is telling us to do right now. Is empty your savings and sell it all. I think it goes way beyond that and it's way better than that. That Christ is inviting us to see the world in a new way and encounter the kingdom of God in a radically new way. So, just wanted to go through a little bit of the baseline interpretation, walk through this story, and then offer three ways that we can see 
the kingdom of God. And we'll see if you guys know why I said see as the title. So I just want to talk, touch on it. It's not just about the wealth. But first off, what we see when we start this passage, Jesus is going somewhere and he gets interrupted by this man who has a question. He's asking, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's asking, what can I do? What is an action that I can do that will get me something that is greater than I have? Eternal life. Better than wealth. Better than success. Something that goes beyond. Because death faces everyone. It comes to the rich, comes to the poor. So he's, he's trying to get almost beyond his means and, and trying to get to, uh, to, to this status of what can I do? He's troubled. Uh, and then Jesus has a really funny answer back to him. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. I think that th- that, that would throw me off a little bit if I had heard that. I think um, I didn't have a ton to say about that, but I think Jesus is just um, recognizing that. Um, I think the rich young man is trying to, to, to try and get on Jesus' good side. And Jesus is like, let's just talk about the matter at hand. Let's talk about this whole eternal life thing. And he touched on six of the Ten Commandments, which I thought was interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. But he says, first off, if you want to do something, obey the commandments. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look to that. And Jesus mentions the six. Uh, and you see this in all three of the Gospels that mention this story. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all just mention these six, these six commandments. But then the rich young ruler still is feeling trouble. still feels like he's missing out on something. So he asks, teacher, all these I've kept since I was a boy. But, what? but he still feels like he's missing out. Yeah. And so he asks him, so you see that Jesus looks at him and loves him. He sees that this young man is, the ruler is asking for a specific rule for himself, which I think is funny. So Jesus loves him, he cares for him, he recognizes, how can I connect with this rich young ruler in a way, on his terms, using language he might be able to resonate with. Um, so Jesus gives him a, a clear answer to the rich young ruler, saying, uh, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And for that, the specific rule, the rich young ruler could not overcome his feeling of wealth or overcome his own sense of personal pride to make this jump, to have this deeper connection with Christ, to have this deeper connection with God. Um, and ultimately, an offer was made, an offer was re- and the offer was rejected. So I want to dive into what kind of disciple is Jesus inviting us to be through this passage? That we, and I think the disciple that, that Jesus is inviting us to be is a disciple that sees the kingdom of God, that is able to connect with God here, right now, on earth. Because eternal life, for eternal life to start, it has to start right now. We are living now, and we live eternally with Christ. How can we work with Christ now and be his disciple? And that eternal life is a partnership with God in this kingdom. We're not just getting this thing, taking it away, and having it all to ourselves. We are connected in a kingdom um, that Jesus invites us into. There's a new value system where wealth is not the top tier, where uh, community is is the thing that is, is offered and there's new ways of seeing ourselves and others through this story. So I want to dive into three ways of how we can see the kingdom of God as a disciple of Christ. And the first way is to be a child disciple, to be a disciple as a child. And I, this was an interesting take. I, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine, George Fox, about this this week, about the, the, his, he recently read the story in, through the Gospel of Luke, and he mentioned at the beginning, before each one of these stories, 
is the story of the little children in Jesus. The little children come to Jesus. And if the rich man had been a little bit sooner, he would have heard about this story. So let's look at the previous story. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from Mark 10, 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children into his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. And then in 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. If the rich young man had been a little sooner, he might have gotten a peek at it. That, that Jesus already answered the rich young man's question, how do I inherit eternal life? How do I get to be a part of this kingdom of God? Well, you won't receive it if you do not receive it like a little child. And I was thinking back to being a little child, and I was, uh, my sister can attest, I was a little bit of a brat. I was a little bit of a, a lot of child Susan can attest. So I would say, I don't think that's the quality of, of, of child that I'm touching on here. Um, but I'm touching on two qualities that, what is this, what do, what do children have that the rich young ruler doesn't have um, access to, or doesn't have any, the qualities don't come as naturally to him. And uh, in talking to my best friend about it, it seems like the two qualities that, that children have naturally are a sense of, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, they have a sense of helplessness and they have a sense of dependence. Children don't go to their jobs on Monday through Friday at 8 to 5. They don't work in little cubicles. They don't make their own money to buy their own food. You don't see them at Trader Joe's picking out what bread they want for the week for the sandwiches. They are dependent on a parent, a guardian, a family member, uh, maybe a system if they're in foster care. They depend on somebody else because they are helpless in and of themselves. And this did not come naturally to the rich and Lord. He had, as it says in, um, as it says in 22, he went away sad because he had great wealth. This was a man that did not need to depend on anyone. He had, he had his own, his affairs taken care of. He was rich. Beyond means, he, he had his own understanding, but he was still asking how he could be part of the system in his own way. So control was a deep part of his identity. It's something I think we all can relate to, no matter how much money we have. We desire that control. We desire to have uh, control over our own affairs, even over other people's lives at times. So it's like, um, what, what, was, what was the rich young ruler doing? Uh, that was within his own control. He could, and that's when we walk through the commandments. He did, he could control not lying. He could control not, um, he could control honoring his father and mother, not murdering. I think we can all control that uh, to a certain extent. So he could control these commandments and say, I can do all these things, Christ. I'm doing all these things myself. I am able to control my actions and these things. But Christ was inviting him into something deeper. Go sell all your possessions. You can depend on others. It is okay to. Christ is calling us to depend on others. But this kingdom that God is talking about is made up of many. This kingdom is, is way different than what we think, where we get control, we get ownership of this, but we are invited into this kingdom that is made up of many people that depend on one another. And so I just was thinking the first seed that is even outside the story is this desire to be child disciples. So let's be child disciples, and I think this is what caused the rich and to miss out on connecting with others. And so I want to touch on the next C, which was 
we can be child disciples, and I think Christ in this story is also calling us to be communal disciples, disciples mm-hmm. living in community. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the list of commandments again, it's these six commandments that Christ brings up in 19. He says, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, and honor your father and mother. Uh, when I was about quizzing, we went through Exodus, so one thing we talked about was the Ten Commandments. And if you go through the first, um, if, you, if you break them down into two categories, the first four are also all focused on our love for God. Yeah. Uh, do not take uh, the Lord's name in vain, do uh, not have no other God before him, don't bring him idols, keep the Sabbath holy. But if you look at the other six, it's all about how we relate to others, and it focuses on our love for our, for the, our neighbors, you could say. And so I think Christ wasn't necessarily skipping the first four commands because they weren't important. They are. But I think he was trying to test this rich and ruler's um, like heart conditions to see where it lies. How are you actually connecting with the people around you? Are you actually caring for them? And I think that's why he touched on these latter six commandments. Because Jesus cares about how we care about others. Right. Um, so I think he loved God, obviously, because he came to Christ and asked him about eternal life. He was caring about how he could connect with God. But he missed out on the point of the kingdom, which is where Christ sums up the law in loving God, all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus was checking the heart. And to help me out with this, it continued to further analyze this portion. Uh, I, I looked to uh, uh, an African-American theologian, Howard Thurman, and a Greek philosopher named Plotinus. And so Plotinus was a Greek philosopher who lived in the third century. So we're going way back, way back to when Christians were still meeting like this without power, without microphones. <laughs> so you, you can kind of get yourself in that sense uh, of, of living. But Plotinus has this quote that says, uh, If we are in unity with the Spirit, we are in unity with each other, and so we are all one. And I was like, wow, that sounds really good. Are there any echoes of that in the Bible? Are there any references to that? And I was, and I was called to a passage actually in 1 John, which is what we're reading through in the Young Joel uh, Sunday School in the mornings. And in 1 John 4, verse 20, John writes, here we're back to John, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. So there's some relation between how we care for others, how we love others, and how we love God. And so to bring it all back to Howard Thurman, he takes these verses, he takes this Greek philosopher named Plotinus, and he sums up in this book called Meditations of the Heart. He writes, unity with the spirit is to be in unity with one another. And to not, and so let's love that, and he says, and to not be in unity with one another is to not be in unity with have you ever felt like when you're like having a disagreement with a family member or with um, a friend, there are times when we when we feel far away from others that we feel far away from God. And I think that isn't separate now. And sometimes when we feel far from God, it's because we have this squall, this, this, this disagreement with someone else. Um, and we continue, Howard Thurman goes on to write, we cannot be at peace with God if we are not at peace with our fellows. I know I have definitely felt that before. And I love how he summed that up, um, how we turn some of this philosopher in this passage in 1 John. And how um, 
So if we are trying to be at peace with God, if we're trying to connect with God, if we're trying to be part of the kingdom of God, if we're trying to get this in, eternal life, Christ is saying there's something to it to be connected to the community that you're around. Mm-hmm. There's something to that there. We can definitely see the rich young ruler really only cared about himself. He was his wealth, his I would say his wealth was an additional barrier to him connecting with others, but it was it was more of a heart condition. Uh, because this goes beyond wealth. It's really about what prevents us from loving our neighbor. It's it, this can be power, this can be our job, this can be status, this can be pride, it can be money too. It's what gives us a sense of being better than others and preventing them from loving others. We have an opportunity to connect with the communities around us through several, through seeing them as equal, through seeing them as um, somebody to share our wealth with, to share our love with, to share our power, to see them as, as we are. And so Christ is calling us to be these communal disciples. He's really wanting to test Richard Lewis, see where his heart is at. And I think this was a great opportunity for me to look at where is my heart at when I do my actions. Mm-hmm. And I think this final point that I was I was really excited about diving into is about we looked at what it means to be a child disciple. We looked at what it means to be a communal disciple. And my, finally, how can we see the kingdom? It's by being compassionate disciples. Mm-hmm. Being compassionate about others helps us. And I will make the argument. I think being compassionate about others and caring for others helps us care for Christ. And so I'll dive into that. One of the one of the things I think that that really opened my mind when I was reading this passage, uh, and I was talking with this pastor friend of mine, George Fox, and, and it's, it's silly, it's silly, it's funny, I, 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 I missed this before, and I didn't think about it in terms, but there, think about the thing, back, back then, 2000 years ago, there were no goodwills, there were no yeah. red American Red Crosses, there's no Salvation Army. Right. If you were to give your goods, your wealth away, you were to truly connect with people, you were to go up to somebody who you see begging on the street and say, I see that you are hurting, I see that you need something. I'm going to give of myself, give of my wealth to you. That this commandment wasn't just for him to go to his, his like closet, find the old shirts, old sweaters, the old items that he had, and just take them to a draw-off location where he was not even connected with anyone. That he was to take his items directly to the poor. Go and sell, what does he say? Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. Connect with the people around you. I was, I just, I think, I think it was small, but for me it was, it felt very fresh and new. Because if you give up your belongings, you're connecting with those who are the poor and the oppressed. And that, I think it would, it would cause the rich and to realize that everyone, not just him, but everyone deserves the same things. Everyone deserves to be a part of this kingdom. Everyone has a place in this kingdom. And he would, if he were to give up everything he had, he would have to see himself as the people he was serving. He would have to see himself in the other person. Right. Right. It's not just about, oh, I want to do something and I'm running back to Christ to get my reward, to get in that kingdom. But it's about, I see you and I see that you deserve this just like I deserve this. And I see myself in you. And that we are not just following the role for self-reward. Jesus was disguising this, this new way, this new order, this new way of seeing in a rule, for a rule, to help try and give him opportunity to see this new way, this new kingdom that we're all invited into, to see Christ in everyone, if we are all image bearers of Christ, and recognize that other people are too, 
to give up of ourselves, to, to remove the thing that's, that we have that separates us from others, if we give that up, yeah. that we are able to see other people as ourselves. So I think that's why, you know, we talk about this eternal life. When, our, when we get eternal life, it starts now. Because we get to help people now. Sure, we get a reward in heaven. I think that's great. I think we talk about that. But we can re- have a personal reward by caring for somebody, by connecting and seeing the kingdom now. The kingdom of God starts when we find God on earth and when we partner with Christ in this mission of serving others, of caring for the poor, of clothing the naked, of feeding the hungry. The king, and I think that's why Christ says the kingdom of God is at hand because it, it is here now if we want it to be. If we, if we join in this mission and we take ownership of this mission and say, I want to see myself and the other person, I want to see their needs as my needs, I see somebody and I see that I have those same wants and desires, that we are all image bearers, your neighbor, your neighbor is an image bearer, your best friend is an image bearer, the person on the street holding signs is an image bearer, we all have Christ in us and we all get to serve Christ when we serve others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the passion part is we, we don't have to judge what, where they come from, what they look like, who they are, but we get to still recognize they have the same needs, same desires, same wants as us. And Christ calls us, specifically called the rich and ruler, to go sell everything you have and give to the poor, to offer this specific person a, a new way of seeing the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And we can see the kingdom without having to get a ball. Wealth is not a bad thing. It's not, it's not a good thing, it's not a bad thing, it's neutral. But we have the opportunity to remove the barriers around us that keep us from being compassionate towards one another, to see ourselves in the other person, uh, and just to remove barriers to see the kingdom of God. And I think the rich and ruler really missed out. So I want to invite you guys to think about what are the ways, what are the times that you are turning away downcast from the vision of Christ, from your neighbor? We have more ways to connect with Christ in this lifetime than we think of. That we can connect with God right now. Recognizing we don't have control. We want control. We want to. What are the things we can do? What are the things we can do to get um, in the kingdom of God now? Well, how can we get eternal life for ourselves? We can think very individually. But I think Christ is saying, yeah, join the kingdom of God so that you can work with others. You can depend on others. You can be around others and count on each other. Trust one another. Give to one another. See yourself in the other person. So I just I just found that to be just very incredible to think that this one story that the rich and what's such an awesome opportunity to be part of this kingdom of God. It's something far beyond wealth, power, status. And his wealth was a barrier to him. And if wealth is a barrier to you, or pride, or jealousy of success, or status is something that's preventing you from loving your neighbor or connecting with God, um, if it's preventing from being a part of this kingdom of God, being part of this mission of Christ, uh, it's constantly pointed out. We've, we've been looking at these disciple series. We've been looking at uh, throughout the gospel. If, if if you feel like there's something that's preventing you from that, if you're walking away from God downcast, if you're not finding that joy, but that we have an opportunity to re-enter our or re-enter our, or, our relationships around these things, so that we are focused on the abundant life that Christ has about this kingdom that never fades away, this kingdom that lasts forever, right. of connecting with people and loving others, and recognizing the, the, the Christ in other people, if we are all image bearers of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just was taken back, we are 
we are Happy Valley Community Church. We have community in our name. Mm-hmm. And we have the opportunity to connect with the community around us, with your own personal communities, mm-hmm. the communities you find when you travel or you go downtown or you travel south, wherever you go, that there's a community around you uh, that you get to be a part of and you get to tap into in this kingdom that, that does not fade away. So I think Christ is inviting us to be disciples today that see the kingdom of God as a child mm-hmm. uh, in community through compassion mm-hmm. that we are able to see God today, right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's really all I had to say. That was all I was going to say. I appreciate you guys singing in the dark with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like this is a real bonding moment. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if we're going to sing more songs. We don't have to. This might be it. But um, I definitely would love to. Can we close with the doxology, Annie? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But first me. But first me. I want to pray. I want to pray for us. Because I heard I get to do that, so that that really matters. That's really fun. Uh, why don't you pray with me, Church? Um, dear God, we are just so grateful for the opportunity to wake up today with breath in our lungs. Yeah. Hopefully, the food on our tables, with the community around us, with this wonderful group of people that we have known. Some of us. For a few days, some of us for 25 years, um, time, God, that we still have light, we still have ears to hear, we still, that you have still have words to say, say through your people, through me today, to invite us into this uh, glorious kingdom of God, this, this new way of ordering the world that values each other, values your children, that values um, community. Uh, and God, that we get to step into that today. So wherever we're at, uh, God, if you were touching on our hearts and helping us recognize there are things that are blocking us, there are barriers from ways that we can get to connect with you, whether it's wealth, personally, or it's status, or power, or pride, God, that you would just be able to call that out in each one of our lives, that we would be able to open our hearts uh, to new ways of ordering the world through your kingdom of God, through your kingdom of God. That is present at this very moment and will never be taken God. Would you go before us today? Um, bless us, um, keep us warm, through power outage, keep us safe on the roads, um, keep us dry through the coming week. Um, God, we pray, um, go before us, uh, follow behind us, hold our hand through it all. Pray all this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. 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 Yeah.